Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stayskull, joined as always by my friend and colleague, Paul Tenorio. And Paul, I think the World Cup is getting me. You can hear it in my voice. This thing's running me down. We have a lot to run down from the U.S.'s 0-0 draw against England earlier on Friday. It is very early in the morning here on Saturday in Qatar, 4 in the morning as we record. We're going to try to keep this tight. Sam, so you can stay healthy, so you can get some <laughs> sleep. It's 4 a.m. Hopefully, we're done with this before 5 a.m. Hopefully, asleep. You know, I think we're an hour ahead of where we were after the Wales we, game. We definitely are an hour ahead. So so that's positive. We're getting better as we go. Speaking of getting better as they go, uh, I thought the U.S. looked a lot better tonight than they did on Monday against Wales. Uh, controlled large stretches of the game against England. I thought they were the better team, unfortunately, for the Americans. Uh, didn't do a lot for them in terms of qualifying for the next round and getting out of the group. With Iran's win over Wales earlier on Friday and the results against England later in the day, the U.S. has to beat Iran to get in. Essentially, they have an extra knockout round match. Win and they're in, lose or draw, and they are out. That is the picture. That match is on Tuesday. Iran is going to be riding an emotional high after the way that their game went down today. It's going to be a difficult test, but Paul, before we get there, let's wind it back, break down this match against England. I would say heading into the game, the broad expectation from a lot of folks, myself and yourself included, was that England would be in control and likely win. That is not what happened. Break it down for us. What what did you see? Yeah, Sam. I mean, I predicted a 2-0 England win. I'm not going to run and hide from that. I felt like they, when I looked at their roster, you know, I kind of went into this tournament feeling optimistic about this game because I thought it was the best matchup tactically, soccer-wise, for what the U.S.'s strengths are. But after watching England against Iran and kind of going through their roster and doing our analysis that we do here, I was like, man, this team is loaded. They are stacked. And I, I started to get more and more pessimistic uh, the closer we got to the game, 
and I certainly didn't expect what happened in the first half. I mean, maybe the first 15 minutes, I was like, oh boy, this is what this is what I thought was coming. Yeah. And but then after that, the U.S. they grabbed hold of the game and they didn't let it go until. You know, really, the 60, 65th minute, England was able to kind of gain their footing again for a little bit. Yeah, but then it was even, I would say, until probably about the 75th. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it, and then it, the U.S. tired and England kind of took a little bit of control. Yeah, I, I felt like I agree with what you said at the start of this. Like, I don't think there's any doubt about who the better team was tonight. Not maybe overall, but on the night, yeah. I thought the U.S. was better. Yeah, And, and that, just that part of it, it was surprising enough. Um, but I... I, Sam, for me, and, and I wonder if you felt the same way, it wasn't just that they were, like, the better team and, and were, like, they, they created better chances. Like, I thought they were in control of the game. And we haven't really always seen that from the U.S. team, even when they played well or gotten good results. Yeah. Like, I thought that it was just a really confident performance. That's what stood out to yeah. me about it. It was mature, I would say. I think that would be the word for it for me. Confident, mature, um, disciplined defensively i thought they were quite good defensively really we saw that first 10 15 minutes that was a little bit shaky bukayo sako was popping up in some really good spots england had a few good combinations down their right hand side and, and paul i think you turned to me and you were like goals coming goals coming you said that a few times the goal never came for either team <laughs> but but uh it did feel like that for england and but the u.s settled in they sort of figured out their rotations they, their shape was a little bit different tonight than we've seen it at any point in recent memory i would say the midfield was a lot flatter weston mckinney was a lot wider we can we can talk more about that later but overall i thought it was like you said i thought it was a confident composed performance um and i thought certainly deserving a result and potentially deserving a little bit more the u.s had the best chance of the night in the 26th minute when weston mckinney got on the end of its him way across ball short hopped came in pretty hot he still should have done way better than he did if you're going to beat a team like england that's a chance you got to bury and he sent his, his shot way over the bar that was unfortunate uh christian pulisic of course hit the bar in the 33rd that was it wasn't out of nothing but he didn't have a lot of room to work with. That was a really good play by Pulisic, just I mean, inches away from putting the U.S. ahead on an incredible goal. I thought that play was kind of like a almost a really good example of like the ceiling of this team a little bit. Like yeah, yeah. you had Weston McKenney making a great individual run. It was like a fifty-yard run that he you made. had. The you had the people involved in that whole play that are some of the bigger names for this team, and then Christian Pulisic gets on the ball and still had work to do. He had to beat his defender one v one to create a little bit of space to get the shot off. Yeah, I wouldn't even say he beat him. He just sort of he created, created a little and, bit of room, and yeah, which is like not easy to do. And gets onto his left foot, and then and then off the crossbar. Um, when I didn't, I didn't see anything coming out of that chance. Once I came over to Christian, I thought it was going to kind of slow. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he'd cut it back. And, he had and two guys on him. He's been. I'll tell you what, man. Christian Pulisic has had a good World Cup so far. I, I think he's played well. I mean, he had the assist against Wales. Yeah. He, he could have done thought, some things again, better against Wales, but I thought he was pretty solid. Confident yeah. against England. Again, a good decisive performance. Greg Berhalter talked about not just on the ball, which is what we pay attention to with Christian. He said. His biggest concern with the way that they defended England, that they felt like they wanted to defend England after watching the, the Iran game, was that in that 4-4-2 block that they played defensively, it put a lot of defensive responsibility on Christian Pulisic, more than they normally put on him. Yeah. Um, and, and he was worried about that. He was worried just about asking him to do that and what it might take away on the attacking end. And, and 
he said, you know, it really stands out to me that the superstar of this team, the guy that everyone kind of pays attention to, was also one of the hardest working guys on this team in this game. Didn't didn't shy away from that responsibility defensively, put in a good shift. And I would agree with that. I, I feel like if you're going to evaluate the best players for the first two games for the U.S., I think Christian Pulisic is certainly in the conversation. I think Tim Way is in the conversation. Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams has been awesome. Tim Ream would probably be in that discussion too. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's so, it's so weird because it's like I feel like there's been more good than bad for sure. And they yeah, have well, two they, points. They left points on the table against Wales without a doubt. Um, you know, watching their game earlier against Iran, that sort of hammered that home. Iran needed two late goals to beat them, but Iran controlled that game and they were the better team in that one. And yeah, I was watching that and I was like, man, what a missed opportunity that was. And then tonight, you know, it's hard to say that they deserved to win. I don't really think they did. There, there weren't a ton of chances that they that they created and, and they were wasteful a little bit with the ones that they did have. Um, but they easily could have stolen all three points. No doubt about that. So it's, it's interesting, Paul, because in some ways I feel really, really positive about this match for the U S I thought they performed well. Uh, but ultimately that doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of discussion after the game and I wrote a piece before the game about, perception and the mission of this team to change the way that American soccer is perceived around the world. And your piece that you wrote after the game touched on it in a, in a great deal. Um, and I think that this game will help improve that certainly help improve it at home. I think for sure. And that's important. Um, but people will forget all about this real fast if they don't win on Tuesday. Yeah. And, and that's the position that they're in now. They have to win on Tuesday. People were asking players. I don't know if it got asked to Greg. The way it works here at the at the World's Cup is is one person's allowed in the press conference and one person's allowed in the mix zone. So I'm hanging out with the players. Paul's hanging out with the coach. Um, a lot of the players were asked, "Hey, like, are you like excited that this is like a knockout game? Like, do you prefer it this way?" And some of them were like, "Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of cool." Every time I heard that question, I was like, "No, they would prefer to be through right now." <laughs> Like, or they would prefer to be in a stronger position. They're in third. They're in, they have two points. Sure. It's not not but, awesome. But it, it's not awesome. But I do think there is something to the fact of like this is like I mean the way Greg Berhalter put it is we're in the knockout stages already. Like that's it. You need to win sure. or you're out. I mean you don't get an extra time if it's a draw, which you would in the knockout stages or or penalties. Yeah. But they they know exactly what they need to do do to advance. Yeah, clarity so is good. So there is a little bit of that. I, I think, Sam, there's two things that you said that, that Greg Berhalter addressed that I think were important. The first is um, the way he put it might be a little bit more confusing, but he said someone asked him kind of, did you leave points on the table in this game? And he said, well, you've got to score goals to have let somebody off the hook, and that, it, which isn't exactly true. By not scoring, you kind of let them off the hook. But what he meant to say was you can't – it's hard to say you deserve a win when you don't score goals, right? You don't like, know. You know you're not in his head. You don't know what he meant. That's what he meant. I mean, the rest of the quote <laughs> says it. We had a lot of close opportunities. We played well. I think we showed what type of team we're capable of. But it's also difficult for me to say that we should have won the game because you need to score to win the game, and we didn't do that. So yeah. I, I'm not really – I'm not a mind reader here. He, he said it out loud. <laughs> um, but he also noted the fact that, you know, they really do believe that this World Cup – is about building momentum around this team, about building momentum around the sport, about convincing people 
of what this team is capable of doing, changing the minds that, you know, this tournament is this exposure to the sport, to the team that only happens once every four years. And when the U.S. missed the World Cup in 2018, that's the impression that was left. I mean, you and I know that. We've lived it. Yeah. You know, when you talk to your friends and you tell them that you cover soccer for a living, they say, oh, you know, doesn't the U.S. men, don't they suck? My wife and, says this to me almost every day. I mean, Stephen A. Smith. She pays a lot of attention. Or, or when we saw on TNT, right? Bye. Shaq and Charles Barkley. <laughs> Charles Barkley talking about how he, you know, it's a women's national team jersey, not a men, because the men suck because they missed the World Cup. Right? <laughs> like, that's the impression that is left when you miss the yeah, World Cup. And yeah. it's deserved, right? And so he said, look, good performances like the one tonight against England, they create little moments they right? chip away they, they, they chip away, they chip away at that that idea or, or start to create a little bit of the of that momentum but there has as he said quote there has to be more to come yeah and, they gotta win they gotta win on tuesday yeah and that's that's what it all comes down to so i i told you after i filed my story and as we were preparing to do the podcast here um that I felt like it was weird to write as much as I did kind of glowingly about a nil-nil draw, a zero-zero draw. But I, Classic I, moral victory at the World Cup story. Yeah, but I, I do Tale feel like time. I, having covered this team as long as we have now, there it did feel to me, Sam, like a little bit of a coming-of-age type of performance. And the players if, spoke to that, honestly. If, if they can carry continue to carry it forward, but like – we've wanted to see that from this team a lot, right? Of like them embracing the moment, playing to the standard, you know, showing their potential. And, and how often have we felt it really? Not many times at all. Like the home game against Mexico and maybe the home game against Panama, but like that's Panama. It's not, even the second half against Honduras, I could say that too. But, like, but, but like that was the level like that was like a, is a, so different. A knife against your neck, like had to do it back against yeah. the wall performance. It was a little different. Like this was like a. I I really only think like maybe the Nations League final against Mexico and the home game against Mexico. Like it was like a. I wouldn't even put the Nations League final against Mexico. I mean, obviously, it can't even rise to this. Like it's the yeah. World Cup, and and they they. But the U.S. wasn't in control of that Nations League match. But it was like it was like they 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 they. It was a back and fed forth. Fed off of the emotion of the game. Yeah. They they understood the moment, and that's what this game was about. Except for they understood the moment and they seized the game. And you're almost right. Almost all the way. The, almost, almost all of it. But, I mean, you know, I think both managers, Southgate, which I'll get to in a second, Southgate, I thought, had a very interesting press conference. They talked about, like, look, when you're at the World Cup, when you're playing good opponents, there's almost – there's very few games where you're going to have the entire game, control of the entire game. The, the opponent's going to have yeah. little moments, little spurts, where they have the control and you survive that and then you get, you get back in it. Um, but I just felt like, it, yeah, it was the first first time in a long time, probably since that 2 nothing win at home against Mexico in qualifying, that they just – I just felt like they – Yeah, no, it did feel like a step forward for them in that way. And you hope they can continue it because if they can – if that could be valuable experience in the here and now if they, if they can make it uh, to the knockout rounds. So we'll see, we'll see if that's the case. Paul, do you want to walk through a little bit about – the tactical change that we saw. 
Yeah, I mean, there were two. I mean, Greg Berhalter actually defends his teams defend a lot in a 4-4-2. So that, I don't think that was too, too different. I think maybe the structure of this was a little bit different and kind of how it was the base of what they did. Um, but I don't think it was crazy different than some of the stuff they've done. We've heard Greg Berhalter talk about the Amoeba. Uh, the Amoeba. The Amoeba formation. Greg's got weird names that for stuff. That goes from that 4-4, 4-3-3 to the 4-4-2 in the defensive posture. Um, and we saw that tonight. I thought that the decision to bump Weston McKinney out to the right side um, kind of essentially, I thought, gave the U.S. a really good way out of England's press. And what it did was it stacked Sergio Dest, Weston McKinney, and, and Tim Weah all on the same side, and it caused a couple different dilemmas in, in how they were going to approach the, the press, England, in two different spots. First of all, um, you know, gave Sergio Dest a chance to, to kind of beat his guy one-on-one, not just on the dribble, but just in his positioning, get on the ball, and, and then advance it, either through dribbling, carrying it forward, or, or finding Weston McKinney. And that put Luke Shaw in a difficult spot where he would have to decide, am I going to leave Tim Weah to go high and press McKenney and then leave Weah in behind? Or do I stay with Weah and, and give McKenney the space to carry the ball? And really, there's no great answer there, right? That's the whole point of it. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. And, and it worked really, really well in the first half. England made some adjustments in the second half. The U.S. did too. I think they anticipated that. But that's that tweak is what gave the U.S. control, and I think it also this is what you wrote about Sam. I think it gave Weston McKenney a stage. Yeah, we got good Weston tonight, which is not a thing that we always get. Uh, you know, we talked about Pulisic earlier, uh, but McKenney I thought was really good tonight. Maybe the U.S.'s best player, even um, although Adams and maybe even Musa would have an argument in that in that standing as well. Um, but he was dynamic on the ball. He was good defensively. He was disciplined. Um, I haven't looked at the numbers, but it felt like he was good in his duels. Uh, and he really created some some really dangerous moments for the U.S. You know, we talked about that run that set up the Pulisic chance that, that got off the crossbar. It was a, he, he received the ball inside the U.S. half, spun his man brilliantly, and took off on like a 50, 60-yard run, driving forward into the box, squares up Declan Rice and, and finds Musa at the top of the area who then plays the ball to Pulisic for the shot. And, and that was a really, really good moment. If he had, could have finished that chance, man, it would have been a, a night of his life. Um, but he didn't. And so it wasn't. And I thought it was kind of a good encapsulation of the U S night. Really good, really composed, pretty dynamic, but ultimately just kind of lacking in front of goal. Yeah. I mean, you and I, um, when we got back to our apartments and I talked about how this felt in some ways a little similar to the Canada game against Belgium. Yeah. From, from Canada's perspective. Right. Yeah. Except for the fact that that Belgium scored and England didn't. Right. Um, and Paul, also, by the way, was freaking out at the end of the game. Yeah. He was like, he was like, Sam, this goal, it's going to be brutal. England's going to score. It's going to be brutal. He kept saying it. And I had to turn to him and I said, Paul, I don't like your energy right now. You need to stop doing this. It was a reverse jinx. And the moment I stopped <laughs> doing the reverse jinx, Harry Kane nearly won the game. Yeah. So missed a header. Would have been your fault. Wasn't really that close either. That was a bad header by Harry Kane. Realistically, like that's what happens against good teams. Like what happens again when you, when you play good teams like Belgium and you keep, let them stay alive in games and let them stay alive and let them stay alive, they find a way. Gareth Bale did it with Wales. Yeah. And, and so I thought it was kind of that inevitable moment. We've all been in games like that. You're not finishing, you're not finishing, you're dominating, yeah. and you're just waiting for that, just that death blow. Um, 
but you know, I, I think part of this is about the youth of the team. I think part of this is that this is not a new problem, Sam. This team has struggled to finish yeah. for a, for a long time. They seven, don't have a number nine. Seven out of their last nine against World Cup opponents, they've been shut out. Yeah, so this isn't new. And I asked him, and Wea, it could be, it could be a big problem on Tuesday too, like a really big one. Yeah, I mean, I I asked him way. I asked Josh Sargent, "What can you do?" Sargent was like. Uh, put the ball in the back of the net. And Tim Way was like, get more lucky, like get luckier. I was like, okay, you know, not great. Yeah. I mean, but like, <laughs> it's true. They're creating chances. They just need to finish them. Yeah. So uh, that, that to me is like, that's the next step. You know, that's the next step for this group is to put it all together. You know, if you want to be a, more than a potential, if you want to be more than almost there if you want to be more than the the golden generation and waiting you have to start to win some of these games yeah and like and that you have to literally on tuesday win the game yeah. so yeah you know I, I just feel like it's the last piece part of it is maybe personnel part of it is maybe just learning to have that killer instinct find a way to get it done i think a little bit of both probably but it's it's the thing that's that's been hovering around this team for a while now, yeah, Sam. Yeah, it sure has. Paul, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. I want to go through kind of the lineup, the choices, and how individual guys played, and then maybe close out the pod with a, a brief look ahead to Tuesday. Stay with us. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. Sam Stasco and Paul Tenorio here breaking down the U.S.'s draw against England in Qatar at Albait Stadium, way up in the northern part of the country. Did I pronounce that wrong? I think Albat. I don't know. Uh, we're probably both wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's 4.30 in the morning. There's no way to know. <laughs> the internet's not a thing that exists. Who, who, could, who could possibly ever learn this? Uh, 
Paul, we, we talked kind of big picture. We talked about some of the themes, some of the tactical tweaks. I do just kind of want to go through and, and evaluate each individual player. Are you, uh, you interested in doing that? Are we allowed to do that? This isn't something we really do on this show usually, but I'm switching it up. Yeah, I mean, I'll follow your lead. Okay, cool. Um, so Greg Berhalter, he made one change to the starting lineup that took on Wales. Hodge Wright came in up top for Josh Sargent. Let's start on the other end of the field. Matt Turner, I thought he was pretty good tonight. He went on an adventure late in the game. Uh, as he said it, he was channeling his inner Jorge Campos. Um, I thought he was like thought he was Ronaldinho for a second when he was dribbling out of the box. Every like every other player that we spoke to, Anthony Robinson, Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney, they were all like Tim Ream. They were all like, yeah, I I told Matt he he can never do that again. Yeah, no. he's like that was ter- th- that was terrifying. <laughs> Sam, you like I was joke. screaming. I you think. like to joke with me because <laughs> when when back passes go to Matt Turner, my body tenses up. I <laughs> usually make noises that aren't like good noises, and. I think there was a point where a pass went back and you like grabbed, like it was when he dribbled and I wasn't looking, I was like starting to take notes and you kind of grabbed me like, <laughs> and I looked up and saw what was happening. I think I was, it like, screamed. Uh, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't an ideal. And I was kind of laughing because Burhalter got asked about it. Like it was like, like, kind of asked about it in a way of like it being a positive. And I was like, I'm really interested to see how he A positive? Yeah. And Greg just kind of, you know, ignored it um, <laughs> in uh, that context. Confident. But he did, he did congratulate Matt Turner on the shutout. And he said, and I, I haven't checked, double checked this to make sure it's 100% accurate. But Greg, usually it's given a note before he goes in when he drops something like this. But he said it's the first time the U.S. has shut out a European opponent at a World Cup since 1950. So okay. he, he gave a shout out to the, the back line to Matt Turner, uh, uh, you know, to say... That that was, Turner uh, did make a big save at the end of the first half. Yeah. Um, he wasn't asked to do a ton of than that, but I thought he was a lot better claiming crosses, a lot better in the air uh, on the, against England than he was against Wales. So that, that, so that was encouraging. And I actually thought he was he was decent with his feet for him, actually. He had some good balls. It didn't look pretty all the time, but it was largely effective. I'm grading on a curve, keep in mind. Yeah. But, I mean, it's never going to look pretty. He's got, like, he's lanky. He's got long legs, long limbs. I, I think the limbs just, he, it's just that's just part of who he is walker zimmerman also testing like all of our stomachs uh with the back pass to matt turner who was not there um luckily he didn't put much heat on it yeah not not a ton of pepper on that one but no overall i think um i thought the back line was pretty good like, yeah zimmerman had a couple of scary moments in distribution he got turned over on a play that led to the set piece that Harry Kane should have done a lot better on. Um, that was a bad pass. I thought Tim Ream was excellent again. I really thought he was good. Uh, there was a moment, I think, in the first half. I can't remember. No, it was the Kane play. He was the one that got beat on the Kane play, and he was not particularly close to winning that ball, so that wasn't awesome. But it's uh, Paul, it's pretty crazy. Neither of us even thought he was going to make the World Cup team, and now he's pretty clearly the number one center back on the roster. It's pretty hard to imagine these last two games without him in them. Yeah. I mean, I I'm torn about that, right? Because we kind of felt like Tim Ream should have been there in certain moments. I think he should have. Well, look, I think going back to qualifying, it was a different scenario because people were available that weren't available recently. But once 
it was clear that Chris Richards' injury was legit once, and even really once Miles Robinson went down, it kind of changed the dynamics there. He should um, have been in the whole time, man. Yeah. I'm I mean, not saying he should have started the whole time, but he should have been in the whole time. Yeah, so I, I but I, I also say, like, I, I think Greg Berhalter proved a little bit that when he says, like, no one's ever out of the picture, he kind of meant it because well, sure, I, but for me, there were two guys that started tonight that neither of us <laughs> thought was going to be on the roster like three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, crazy. Yeah, like, Haji Wright started today. 100%. Tim Ream, like you said, has started both games. Like, these are both guys that we had completely out of our picture in the first week, second week of November when we were doing predicted yeah. rosters. Yeah. So, you know, he's he, he has trusted his pool, the guys that he's called in. Yeah, and, it's just and weird that he didn't. Just, Trust yeah. certain guys a little earlier, but all the same, it now is when it counts. And and Reem was good. I thought Robinson, Anthony Robinson, was a little shaky in the first half. I thought he got better as the game went on. Um, Serginio Dust, he's really impressed me in these last two games. Disciplined defensively tonight, I thought he was pretty good going forward. He created some danger. We talked about those overloads on the right hand side. Um, I was impressed with his performance. Um, Midfield, Adams, again, a beast. Shut a lot down. Him and Musa did a really good job defensively, in particular, those two kind of sitting in front of the back four. Yeah, I mean, it's what Tyler Adams does well, I think. Um, England had nothing through the middle. Nothing. Yeah. The, well, what's interesting about that is I kind of didn't think they'd have much through the middle, but I thought that the U.S. was going to be playing with three in the middle, and they really weren't. They were kind of playing with two in the middle. Yeah. And yet, I thought that the U.S. still dominated the middle of the field. And I, I it was, um, there was, a, there were a couple. It was of- weird. Like the England central midfielders were like almost non-existent to me. Like they were, they, uh, we focus a lot more on what's happening with the U.S. 11, but like, I don't really remember many moments for Rice or Mount or, or Belling- Bellingham was very quiet. Yeah. After the first 15 minutes, he yeah. was very active in those first 15 yeah. minutes. But I, I was going to say like, a. There were a couple of English reporters in the mix zone after the press conference, um, and you know, one or two of their questions that I overheard in the different scrums that we were in was about you know Musa getting the better of Jude Bellingham and and Adams, those two taking yeah. away a, a player that they believe is kind of one of the biggest difference makers in this England team. He certainly was against Iran. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I think a shout to to two of the the top talents in this U.S. team and and the way that they stepped up in a big moment. And I thought in the second half, you saw, actually in the the end of the first half and in the second half, you you saw how good their and smart their movement was defensively to deny passes into Bellingham and to make sure he couldn't yeah. start to take control of the game. So a, a really smart, professional, mature performance from those guys. We talked about McKenney already. I don't think we need to go back over that. We talked about Pulisic already. As well, we both thought he was good. Tim Way, I thought was was solid, decent, um, not amazing, but pretty pretty good. Uh, striker, the U.S. doesn't really have one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the problem, right? I thought Haji did okay in 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 moments. I thought I thought a sub could have come earlier for him. He was pretty exhausted Subs, in the second half. You I, could see. I want to talk about this. You finish your Haji point, but let's talk about. No, subs I just after. thought. I just thought in the second half he was really tired and where that hurt was as England was starting to get control of the game and, and Wright was kind of getting late. He was getting there late to some of the moments to press yeah. and to defend. And that was allowing the passes to come first of all, for England to stay a little bit higher up the field and then to be able to find those passes in the midfield a little bit easier. But, um, you know, those guys were all 
running like crazy and trying to make sure that they, they didn't give up goal. And, and, and Haji certainly, you know, he wasn't quitting on the game or anything. He was working no, his butt off to, to try to stay involved, yeah. you know? So the subs, I think we got to a point in the second half. We were like, when is he going to pull the trigger on some of these? Cause these dudes are getting fatigued. You, you could tell. And it was starting to have an impact on the game. He brought Berhalter brought Brendan Aronson to midfield and he kind of pulled him back at one point and then the ball didn't go out of play for a while. And I was just like, man, they need it. They need a blow. They need to get some guys out there. I thought the subs were understandable, reasonable. They're probably about the same changes that I would have made. Um, I just think I would have made them five to 10 minutes sooner. And I'm a little surprised that Berhalter didn't. Yeah, I mean, he he chose to pull him back on what was a, a looked like it was going to be an England set piece, and I think he wanted to keep Weston McKinney yeah. out there for the set piece, and then that's then understandable because we England, saw we saw it at the end. I turned to you before the Shaw to Kane's set piece, and I was like, "No Haji, no Weston. England's got the big boys. This this is scary." Yeah, and it was. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was just unfortunate that that England had like a, a sustained period of three minutes of possession <laughs> after he pulled Aronson back because he got Aronson out there. I thought the Sergeant could have come a little bit quicker. Yeah, for for Haji Wright just because he was looking very 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 tired and um, and Gio Reyna got out there as well. But I, I thought that was when a game, you know, the game could have changed just because of when you looked at who England was bringing off the bench, and you know these are guys that are. Some yeah. of the biggest names in global soccer. Yeah, and and in Jack Grealish, literally the best quote in the world. Yeah. For those of you that haven't heard about his experience with the camel here in Qatar, do yourself a favor and Google that. Yeah, for sure. I would say also, by the way, Jack Grealish changed the game for a while there in his ability to step on the ball, calm things down, and draw fouls. And it draw really fouls took, in it, particular. It really took the U.S. out of their rhythm. It, it gave England a chance to get composed and – he probably i'd have to go look at the stats he probably got fouled four or five times i think one of them was actually a foul maybe two just really good at at selling it and and putting himself in a position to to get fouled or to look like he was getting fouled i thought it was just a smart performance from him and and it helped england a lot he changed the game a bit yeah um england on the whole though i was not impressed by i thought they were pretty poor for their standards it was really passive i thought and slow Indecisive in yeah. their pressing, especially. Yeah, and in possession. You know, yeah, the, I mean, they didn't have much of it the second half of the first yeah. half, and and I thought their their approach to disrupting the U.S. was that it lacked confidence. They didn't really know what they wanted to do or how to do it, and it made it easy for the U.S. to pack out, pass out of the back, and into yeah. dangerous positions. And and I thought to me it was it was it was down to the the adjustment that allowed them to kind of find that space that they wanted to on the right with Destin McKenney. Yeah. Um, but I think part of it also was down to just indecisiveness from from England and how they were going to press and not making an, an adjustment. And, mm-hmm. and Southgate said as much. He said, look, this game is about making adjustments, answering, having answers to the questions asked by the opponent. And he said, we didn't have answers in the first half. We had to figure those out. I think we did a better job of answering it in the second half. But he did say, and I said I'd get back to this, Southgate's, I thought his comments were very interesting. He said he thought that the team performed well in, a, in much different ways than they did against Iran, but mostly that it was answering those questions from the U.S. He felt like... They did not perform He well. felt like they, they were able... I think he didn't want to say it directly, but he, basically he talked around the idea of them not 
giving up a goal on a night when they didn't have it and finding ways to make sure that the U.S. didn't get a win. And and I think especially the center backs, that, that was true about. The center backs kept England in the game with some of the plays they made. I thought Harry Maguire was awesome. He was their best player. Tonight. He might have been the best player on the field. He was certainly England's best player. And, and you know, as he, had, he had a game. He as had, we all predicted going into the tournament. I mean, now he, he, he did. He had, probably now that we know it was ended 0-0, maybe a game-changing moment where he got his head on the ball right before Walker Zimmerman got onto it oh, at the far post on a corner. We both thought that was a goal. Yeah, I mean, Maguire took a couple steps back and barely got his head on it. I, it was the moment I thought, yeah, it was the moment I thought. Zimmerman definitely thought it was a, it was a goal. His eyes, we couldn't see them, but they were probably popping out of his head. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought England were, were struggling, but I think we knew that for the U.S. to like have a real shot in this game, England would probably have to be a little bit of a step off. And credit to the U.S. that they had a role in that for sure. Um, Paul. Let's look ahead to Tuesday. Iran, briefly, we'll have a preview show out, I don't know, Monday or something. Um, so stay tuned for that. But quickly, what are, your, what are your thoughts going into that? We saw Iran play today. The U.S. has to win. Draw will not be good enough. Uh, a win will require some goals. Iran has scored two in both of their first two games. Uh, might require multiple goals for the U.S. How, how are you feeling how does tonight change how you feel? What What's the vibe in your mind going into Tuesday night? Well, I don't know if they'll need multiple goals. I think that'll depend on kind of the how the game goes because Iran knows that a draw gets them through, and, and I think they have a very practical manager who, who knows how to manage games, right? Kirosh has shown yeah. that. Um, that being said, it's going to be a completely different game than this one was. I think it's going to feel a lot more like the first half against Wales at times. But I will say that their attacking talent is really, really good, and they are very, very good in transition, just as Wales can be, but I think better than Wales is. And and so the U.S. is going to have to be have a very disciplined performance. Um, and I think they're I think they're going to have to – utilize some of the areas that I thought popped up in the second half of that first half in that they were driving to the end line and trying to find those cutback passes. England did a really good job of defending that. They cut out a lot of those. I think they're going to have to go more to that, getting getting individual players to, to beat people one-on-one, to try to get to the end line, find those cutback crosses, do what you can to create those moments in the box where you're dangerous. And, um, you know, I, it's going to be a really, really tough assignment because Iran is in control. A draw does yeah. put them through. It'll be interesting to see what the health looks like, particularly for McKenney and Dest. They both came off. McKenney, you know, when he was going through the mix zone, he stopped. And he made a joke of like, oh, it's, it's lucky that I'm injured, like kind of implying that he would have ran past us like he did against after the game against Wales the other day. Um, I don't think he's injured, injured, like he can't play. He only took a few questions. I, I tried sneaking one in at the end. He's like, Weston, are you, are you feeling okay? Are you going to be good to go for Tuesday? And he walked away, and he was like, you almost got me with that one. You almost got me. So he wasn't talking. Um, but those will obviously be two huge question marks for the U.S. heading into the match. Uh, Iran has a question mark of their own with Sardar Azmoun, uh, one of their main strikers along with Mehdi Taremi. He was coming off of an injury, heading into the World's Cup, didn't play in the first game. 
he did play today, but you know he came off and, and he was kind of struggling with his calf for a lot of the match, really. So so that's one to watch for them. Uh, and then my other big question is Gio Reyna. He's healthy. He's good to go. That was all confirmed after the game by the player himself. But you know, with the issues at striker, Paul, I I wonder if maybe there's a shift or a thought. I don't think there will be. But I wonder how seriously Berhalter will consider maybe playing Tim Weah as a nine and putting Gio Reyna on the wing. Or maybe playing Gio Reyna in that spot and rolling the dice. Or who knows, maybe go crazy and play Weston McKenney up top. Be kind of fun. Um, I don't think that'll happen, but I do wonder if the thought will even cross the coaching staff's mind. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, you know, we talked about this uh, before Wales, but you know, Gio Reyna's skill set against teams that play in a low block seems to fit well. Yeah. Um, I think that it would make sense to see him play. He hasn't played much. Um, Seven minutes, I believe. But, you know, the guy that he is fighting for a starting position with is Tim Weah, who's had an impact in both games. Scored yeah, in the first it would one, be basically good. impossible to justify taking Way out of the lineup. Yeah, so, and Christian Pulisic, too, has played well. I mean, yep. That's the reality. And tonight we just talked about Weston McKinney and Eunice Musa and their impact. So I, I, I don't know what, what Berhalter will do, how he'll think about it, but I, I certainly think, again, that this is going to look a little bit more like the Wales game than it did like the England game tonight. You think they're going to do it? Are they going to win? I do. I mean, we both came into this saying that the U.S. was going to come out of the group. I'm not changing my mind now. Yeah, I agree. I thought they would beat Wales and draw your own, but... Now I think they're going to beat Iran. I think they'll get through. I mean, this is a, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to another segment or not, but if we're not, we're not jump right through this. <laughs> um, Sam, you were doing a bit of research before the game. This isn't the first time, obviously, in a World Cup that the U.S. has gone into the final group stage game needing a result. They needed a win in 2006. They didn't get one. They knew they needed a result in 2010. They weren't sure what it was going to be. It ended up that they did need a win. They got it with the famous Landon Donovan goal. So they've been here before. One time they got the result, one time they didn't. And sort of irrelevant to this team anyway. It's irrelevant to this team, but I think, you know, for, for fans of this national team, we've, we've been here before. And, and um, it, this is where memories are made, man. I mean, I don't remember that last game against Ghana. I don't remember it as well, 2006. I was younger. I was in high school. Uh, I remember, that, I I remember that game well, actually. I was in college. I don't remember it as well. There's not a moment from that game that I remember as well as Landon Donovan against Algeria. Oh, well, I Jesus, mean, Paul. That's, yeah, but he That's like score. only the most iconic in the history of the men's uh, – iconic but, moment in the history of men's national team. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the handball against Germany may be up there too. But I, I think, like, th- these are the moments that, like, legends are made, right, in World Cups, n- elimination yeah. games, knockout games, win or go home. You, somebody has a chance to be a hero, and, and I, I don't know who that'll be for the U.S. Certainly after the first two games, I don't think either of us are clear on who, who will be the, the threat, the goal scorer for this team, but um, it's there for the taking, man. It'll be Joe Scally. Thanks for listening to Allocation Disorder. I'm Sam. He's Paul. We've recapped the England-USA match. Looked ahead to Iran. We'll be back on Monday with another episode further previewing the do-or-die Group B finale for the U.S. Thanks for listening. Until next time.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.